Hello, listeners. Today, I've got another super exciting and special episode for you with a retired escort and current stripper dancer. She is also the author of the wonderfully written and very enjoyable read, Modern Whore. I was thrilled and honored she took the time out of her busy schedule to come and chat with me. I will stop talking and let her speak for herself. I know everyone will enjoy this special recording with none other than the talented Andrea Warehun. There's a lot of people who are trying things that they've never tried before. Sex. Why do you think people don't see it as work? I don't know. I think it's just too much stigma. What do you mean we can't just go tell people? The vast uh, complexity of human sexuality. The escort. Deconstructed. Um, hello, Andrea. I'm so excited to have you here today. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. I'm so glad I have the author of Modern Whore on the podcast. <laughs> the OG whore. Oh, I'm not the OG. I'm one in a long line of OG whores. What year was it that you started, though? Was it 2011, 2012? That's right, 2011. Okay, yeah, so you beat me. So you're OG in that sense. I guess so. Oh, you mean in just being old? Like start. Oh my god! No. <laughs> you meant oh, just old bef- girl before I me. I am an old girl. <laughs> I, I I'm 30. I'm officially an old girl. Hey, I will be getting there soon. Also, 30 is the new 50. 60, 70. 30 is the new 50. We're all just very young. It's fine. We're very old. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I always ask people about their background because I'm a nosy little bitch. So would you like, because anyone that's read your book kind of knows about you, but I think a lot of people would have maybe not read the book yet. Um, I tried actually to find a copy online and I had troubles. Yes, that's because it's sold out. Oh my God, that's amazing. Bravo. exclusive. How long has it been sold out for? Mm, Oh my gosh, I don't know. About a year? Oh, wow. About a year. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting time for modern horror fans because there might be more stuff coming your way. Yeah, I mean, after hearing this, how could how could anyone how could do you sell like online versions of it, though? Like, yeah, there's ebooks. Oh, OK, there we go. Yeah, we've got ebooks. We've got ebooks. Get in touch with that if you would like to hear more because her book is very enjoyable to read. It's a lot of little short stories and I, I had a lot of fun reading it. Stuck on a plane. Aww. Yeah. That's a great book to read in public generally, but on a plane yeah. specifically. No, like because you have like false spreads yeah. of like your tits and stuff. And I swear to God, everyone around me is like, what is that girl looking at? <laughs> Fine literature, thank you. (laughs) So I know the answers to these, but could you please explain um, how you kind of picked your working name when you started working as an escort? Right, okay, so as an escort, my name was Marianne. Um, I had originally wanted to be Mary Gold because of a particular William Blake poem that I loved, um, studying romantic literature at the University of Toronto. This like really beautiful poem about this like sort of little dirty goddess finding a flower and wanting to pluck the flower and not being sure if she should pluck the flower. And then 
the flowers like pluck me pluck me and put me between your breasts you know so that I can like guide you um and be like part of what your whole soul seeks that sounds extremely erotic oh 100 percent in like the most innocent way that's why I was like, I want to be that marigold. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> pluck me. Pluck me or fuck me. Like, I want it. Because that's what she was saying. She's saying, like, am I a flower or am I a nymph? A flower, nymph, flower, nymph. And I think, like, as a sex worker, that's kind of, we're always like, am I subject, object, subject, object? Am I teetering forever? Every, yeah. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's such an interesting place to be and trying to find balance. And so, yeah, I wanted to be marigold. And then I had this interview with my agency owners are the people that would eventually become uh, the people who ran the agency I worked for. And uh, they were like, so what do you want to be called? And I said, Marigold. And they're like, mm, no, no, <laughs> no. What about Marianne? You kind of look like the one from Gilligan's Island. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. I'll be Marianne. That sounds wholesome. I feel like that euphemism just for like the industry is hilarious. Like, you can't be that intellectual here. Like, pick something else, please. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Don't be Theodora. No, exactly. Be like Dora. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Don't confuse them. (laughs) You want to take their money. You don't want to scare them. Can I just call you Mary? Like, (laughs) yeah. How about Ma? (laughs) M? I'll just call you M. I'm just not going to say your name, period. (laughs) Just take my money. (laughs) Just come over here. (laughs) So you called yourself Marianne by force but did you enjoy it i loved the name it's so wholesome did you connect with it after starting to be it kind of for sure i did yeah no i love the name marianne i love it. i like it too it's very suggestive totally (laughs) so now you work you still work in the sex industry now though yeah okay explain that so i mean the reason i became an escort in the first place was because i went to a strip club for the first time um, at Jilly's RIP. And um, I experienced what to me felt like a conversion to the temple of the whore. Like I was like, wow. Must have been some good dances. I mean, (laughs) it was, it was marginally impressive, but it was more that (laughs) like that, that the premise of this entire place was that a group of people had come to watch a naked woman dancing on stage and that we as a society shame those women for being on the stage. But we don't really shame the men for going to watch. No, like they're getting paid somehow. Yeah. It exists for a reason. Exactly. So I wanted to be a stripper before I wanted to be an escort. And then through a series of events and like random people all sort of saying the same thing to me, which was you should consider escorting instead because it's a safer, more lucrative. Uh, it's a safer. Considered safer because you've got a driver, usually. Okay. If you work for an agency, you know, usually the driver's waiting outside for you um, and acts as security as well. And it's private and, like, you don't have to worry about, like, you know, your grade four teacher walking through the doors, generally speaking. Like, you do have to at a strip club when you're stripping in your hometown. So did you only ever work for that first agency you started with and then you stuck with them when you escorted or did you change industries, industries, agencies? I just worked for the agency. Wow. So I have a very particular, I would almost say middle class perspective on the industry. (laughs) So middle class, I think it's absolutely average. Like most people work for an agency and that's it. I think independence is very much a new thing that came about because of, well, the internet and Twitter and being able to make your own website. Like it wasn't a thing before. That's very true. <clears throat> that 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 checks out, I think. The fact that you didn't go to another agency though speaks highly of that agency you worked for. Does yeah. it still exist? 
I think it does. I know it's really pared down, um, but as far as I know, it is still operating. So when you started being a escort instead of a dancer, did you tell anybody else or did you keep it to yourself? I had a really hard time keeping it to myself <laughs> because I, you know, I love talking about myself and I love telling stories and I, I was having so many funny experiences as an escort that I felt like I couldn't tell anybody. And I was also experiencing pain, you know, with certain traumatic things that had happened on the job. And those two, I couldn't really be open about. But as far as like my close friends are concerned, they all knew. And within six months, I told my parents because I'm just not good at hiding. Were you allowed to kind of talk to the other agency ladies at all? Because when I worked for my agency way back in the day, they didn't want us to talk to each other because they thought we might band together and leave them. Was that a thing? Um, Because I worked for an outcall agency and the only time you really see your coworkers is in the car or at an appointment where you're doing a duo, I didn't get to build any meaningful relationships with my coworkers, unfortunately. And I also felt that there was a vested interest in keeping us apart um, from the management, unfortunately. It makes sense business-wise. Sure. Isolate your employees so that they don't know, you know, what's going on. That sounds like Stockholm Syndrome. (laughs) It's, I mean, as long as, you know, the worker feels that she's, she's getting the most value out of her labor. Yeah. Did you feel like you were... (laughs) I mean, for me in those years, in my early 20s, being able to take on 160 an hour was still like an incredible thing. It's amazing. It felt like I was richer beyond my wildest dreams. To go from that, from minimum wage, it was like, I'm, I am a chosen one. Like, this is, this is incredible. I'm the most privileged person on earth. <laughs> I think that we all feel that. And then the other half is like, oh my God, I can't tell anyone I'm the worst. Yeah. <laughs> But, wait, you can't tell anyone that you're making that much money? Or that you're just a whore, period. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. It. I mean, that. that's, like, the worst part for me. So, did you show your face when you initially did this? Or was it anonymous? Did they have pictures up of you they on the website? They had pictures of me on the website, but okay. my face wasn't shown. Did they make you pay for those pictures? Just No. So, okay. I think when I did that with an agency, they asked for, like, I don't know, like, 100 bucks. Not a lot, but just something. But then you decided to put your face on the cover of your book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, by the time I finished the book and I had sort of wrestled with the idea of being anonymous and publishing under a pseudonym, the fact of the matter is um, I've always wanted to be a writer. Um, I enjoy sex work. I love sex work. How dare you? <laughs> but uh, I want to be a writer. I want to get paid to write. And I I felt it was very important to publish under my own name and to show my face and to say, like, th- there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing here. And I want you to see how unashamed I am about it. Come on in. Open this book. I read the last, like, few pages of your book, the actual writing part, not the fun little um, like, I don't know, five times this past week. So I really like the way you put it, actually. It's very uh, 
to the point brief, no extra sentences, but that people wouldn't respect you when you started telling these stories and you didn't say or identify as being a sex worker. People are like, are you trying to pretend like you did sex work? Exactly. And you're speaking on their behalf? Yep. So that's kind of, you need to almost put yourself out there to even be believed, which yeah. is unfortunate. Yeah. But it also makes sense, but. Totally. I mean, yeah, when I was thinking I might publish the book under a pseudonym and I don't know, like hide my face somehow for 150 pages. Like it just, uh, I had gotten questioned by someone who was like, oh, so you're not a sex worker, but you're trying to publish this thing. And are you stealing a sex worker's narrative to publish your story? And I was like, oh my God. I know it's so (laughs) offensive. It's a lack of credibility, but it's also you're asking a lot of me to brand myself as who I am in this stigmatized way for life. Yeah. I'm very proud of you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I will get the balls one day. (laughs) And but there's no rush. There's no rush to get the balls. There's no rush. It's just like the mounting pressure inside to do it, though. That's where the rush comes from, the passion. I know. I know. But it's it's heavy. Yeah. What was it like, though? Were there any direct consequences of publishing it under your name? Um, no. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I was desperately terrified beforehand. And uh, someone... Someone really awesome said to me, you know, it feels like a lot of doors are closing now, but think of how many doors will open. Like this podcast. I'm exactly. Just yeah, exactly. <gasps> I'm on the escort deconstructed. Oh this podcast is a joke. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a very important historical record of today's You're escorts. a very important historical record. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> V-I-H-S. <laughs> so would you say there's a way of... Record, think, holy shit. I'm sorry. No, my God, please. That was so embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> Hang on. I have like so many questions, but like I have I'm so confused in which order to ask these questions. So I'm just gonna like make a note here real quick. I guess, yeah, this question comes later. So we'll go back to like, do you have any preferred verbiage in regards to escorting when you did escort? And now that I guess you're a dancer, a stripper, do you have like a preferred verbiage? Do you think something is inappropriate or offensive? When I was an escort, I mean, escort's fine. I liked whore, obviously. Sometimes I would call myself a hooker, and it was clients who would be like, no, 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 really? you're not. No, no, don't call yourself. I mean, that was like, specifically I was doing a couple, and it was it was the wife who was saying that to me. Like, don't, don't degrade yourself like that. You're an escort. You are an escort. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I don't... I don't mind being a hooker. I still fuck you and then you pay me. And so like, it was checked the same. Oh, totally. Um, anything I don't like? I don't know. I, I don't like anything that comes out of a civilian's mouth if it's not sex worker or escort or dancer. Okay. Stripper is bad? Though they can call me a stripper. It's when they start going into like pole cat, you know. What? I heard some, Yeah. <sighs> pole cat i think i might laugh though like i can't even be offended <laughs> like what no you just give that person the side eye so did you want to share something about your childhood or maybe the way you grew up progressed as an individual to become who you are kind of if you think you were more leaning towards sex work because of the childhood you had or if you think it was completely random um whatever you want to share i feel like uh being a whore is my destiny because i as a child, is very precocious, very curious, very playful. And I had a mom, and I have a mom, uh, who is so 
sexually open and like I could talk to her about everything and she would talk to me about things like at a very young age then would sort of make my head spin but also matured me very quickly and told you it was okay to talk about it totally I never felt afraid to talk to her about stuff that's why being an escort and hiding it from her was the most pain I'd ever experienced it was awful um but yeah I mean when I was younger one of my like earliest fantasies was to run a kissing booth. Oh my god, Kate! I saw that in that Amanda Bynes movie where she's like, she's the man, and like they're at a kissing booth, and like yeah, she's just standing there, she's like rolling her eyes, like kissing people that pay her twenty five bucks, and I'm like, hmm. I was in like high school when I saw that, but definitely like that's okay, that's fine. Oh yeah, kisses for money. Yes, no problem. It's for charity. I was like, I know that my kisses make people happy. I want to give people kisses and I'd love to get paid for it. That sounds like a great way to, you know, get some lunch money. Um, I never did it, but yet. <laughs> oh, oh, well, I, I have done it since. I did it recently in December. On, oh, cool. Yeah, for our uh, Maggie's event for um, International Data and Violence Against Sex Workers. I, I, ran like a, I ran a kissing booth and, like, we made a few hundred bucks on that wait is it like a kiss or like a like a five second kiss i had a menu okay (laughs) i think yeah you'd have to wouldn't you because people get confused well you gotta you know there's some high rollers coming through i'm not gonna like just offer five dollar kisses that's a that's chump change i'm i had i mean 500 was dinner you know i put that on the menu as the top tier naturally the kisses at the end <laughs> yeah um you know i just packs hugging a peck you know <laughs> touching tongs uh you know give people some options so nothing specifically trauma related was a result of you becoming an escort you think um definitely not no no my sex work's not related to my trauma but i don't know anyone who's ever escaped childhood unscathed obviously we are a collection of of our experiences and trauma is a part of that right part of my choices every single choice that I make um but my desire to be a sex worker was more rooted in my my curiosity and my playfulness and my desire for independence than it was in in anything bad that's ever happened to me and sexual exploration plus the bonus of compensation it's great (laughs) there's no better way no um so what inspired you to write that book because you wanted you've always wanted to be a writer but still taking the actual step to write the book is like a whole other thing because a lot of people want to write books air quotes yeah um well like I said I'm I'm a great whore I'm a better writer I'm that's I would agree you're a phenomenal writer but I've never (laughs) experienced you as a whore so I really don't know well you should come see me at the club sometime (laughs) while it's still open um I wanted to write the book after a lot of reflection. I mean, when I was escorting, so I was 21, I was in my final year of university. I knew then I wanted to be a writer. I was in a creative writing course at U of T. Um, I knew I wanted to write down my stories, but I didn't know how to do that. And I could not, again, going back to this idea of using a pseudonym, As someone who wants to be a writer, the idea of using a pseudonym and hiding my name because I'm supposed to be ashamed of what I've done is really stupid. I don't, I can't justify that choice. And if the only thing holding me back is fear of judgment, that's not a good enough reason. So at first when I was writing down 
my stories, I was thinking I might try and get them published in like little literary magazines or I don't know, locally, but nothing ever came of them. I just sort of started to amass writing. I also was occasionally after appointments coming home at like two or three, four in the morning recording myself. I would just sort of recap the night if I was too tired or like just as a sort of, again, historical record of your memory is fallible like you need it right after it happens for sure it's fiction and these like primary sources of um information are so valuable especially as time goes on and so I knew that then and I was recording myself and so I had all these stories sort of piling up in different forms you know and I was also writing in my journal a lot and writing poetry about clients even, about the experiences that I'd had. And so I didn't know what to do with it until I had quit the industry and was working on a farm. And my friend and collaborator, Nicole Bazine, came to visit me at the farm. And I was regaling her with these stories. And she's like, we have to do something. We have to do something. Sounds like a good friend. She's my best friend. She's my wife. She is my wife. Hand on heart, people. (laughs) I love my wife. What can I say? So with her help, together we manifested this book after a lot of like, like, oh my God, three years working on it. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And you were in the industry for, I think you said two years? I was an escort for two years. Okay. And I think I know what the story is of how you stopped, but could you explain that quickly? For sure. Um, a year into being an escort, I graduated university and on the day of my graduation, um, as like we, my family and I went to a bar in Yorkville called Hemingway's to celebrate my dad's there, my boyfriend's there, my brother's there. We all sit our asses down at the table. And the first thing my mom says is, so when are you going to quit that job of yours? (laughs) I was like, fuck. First, can we be happy that she called it a job? Second, go ahead. Absolutely. Oh, my mom's on the level. She just hated that I was doing it. And I think that's every mom's. Yeah. Yeah. No mom wants to hear it. And she just wants me to be safe and, you know, reach my full potential. And for her, it was important for me now that I have graduated university to, to try other things. And that's fine. And so I... Uh, you know, thankfully, everyone at the table knew the score. It wasn't like she'd unduly outed me in any way. So I, I said, okay, fine, by my next birthday, which was a year from then. And she says, great, I'll get that in writing. As a mom would. I know. So I signed a contract with my mom that night with an exact <laughs> date I'd be quitting my escorting job. Wait, did she also sign it? No, I just signed it. Oh, my God. Sounds very one-sided contract. <laughs> Good thing she didn't make me sign an NDA. <laughs> I would never imagine that. No, she wants you to be a writer. Oh, that's like, yeah, that's that's what she wants for me, for sure. She's I, very supportive. I mean, the whole hiding your real name for fear of political persecution, though, that's been done by tons of respectable writers. But the credibility of still trying to present the stories today, I get. Yeah, so in your book, you have a few segments where you, like, write reviews back of the clients, and I, like, die laughing. I actually <laughs> read it to one of my clients that was here the other day. So it's like, have you heard this book? I'm talking to her next week. He's like, no, I'm like, sit down. <laughs> oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> he was laughing so hard. Fuck, that's great. 
that is great. Um, so yeah, what is that? So yeah, I mean, as an escort, you get reviews written about you on uh, these escort review boards, and I found mine, and uh, they were, for the most part, deeply fabricated as far as what you actually think went so. down. <laughs> but positively or negatively, most of the time. Most of the time, positively. Wow. So it's almost like, you know, great. <laughs> but the erotica, the weird fan fiction erotica that, that escort review boards produce, that literary genre is deeply fucked up. I guess if you have the time to go on there and write something, you're going to make it like erotica. Well, the thing is, you're writing erotica for your bros. Yeah. About this experience that you had. Or that you're so cool to sleep with. Like, I lasted at least an hour and she just took it like she loved it. Yeah. Yeah, great. That's what else would you write? I couldn't get it hard on. And so she kind of like, sadly, like, we're like, "Mm." yeah. What are you going to do? Oh, they will obviously omit those parts, which is why (laughs) I I published their reviews almost verbatim (laughs) in my book, followed by my reviews of them. Because... I mean, if they have the gall to write about my sexual prowess on a public forum, then I have every right to publish their words in my book. Did you find it to be objectifying to read about yourself like that? Well, yeah. I mean, you sort of become like outside of yourself. Like, I didn't realize there was like an out of 10 rating, though, for like all these different (laughs) things, because I only used reviews forums in the UK and there wasn't like an actual number assigned. I feel like the number would have just like put me over the edge. I and I I don't I don't think I was rated that way. Okay. In like a rigid way. I thought it said like nine out of ten or like six point four yeah. out of ten. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't like formalized. Okay. But yes, I was rated out of ten, and I was rated quite highly by many of the gentlemen. Um, testament to my impeccable Positive service. Positive objectification. <laughs> I mean, and that's that's uh, that's always what's complicated about um objectification right sometimes it feels really good it does when it's positive and then i feel dirty for liking it (laughs) but i don't think you need to feel dirty about liking validation that's fair i think that it's everyone's dream though to be able to write a review back of a client after they write one but then we'd have no business left because it'd be like she spells all the secrets but the clients can Oh, it's never really made sense to me. The power dynamic is so uh, skewed, skewed for sure. Do you think that there is an ideal way to escort now that you've been in the industry and have been out of it and work in a different part of the industry? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, an ideal way sort of smacks of classism. Like there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. (laughs) I mean... Escorting specifically a right way to do it, an ideal way to do it. I think the ideal way to do it is always safely. Ideally, you have a community of people that you can rely on and talk to and commiserate with and celebrate with. That's always the ideal way to do anything, right? Is to find your people. But as far as like, what, like fucking dudes, what's the ideal way to take a man's money? I don't know. I'm I'm not very good at that. Oh, yeah. There's definitely no universal for that. Yeah. It's more like, I guess, ideal mentality or like working conditions. I guess it's just check yourself and see if you're happy with your situation. Yeah. Like, for instance, when I was an agency escort, I I considered independent escorting. It still wasn't that big back then, though. So I understand that you wouldn't have done it because it would have been like, no one's really doing this, really. Yeah. And I wasn't part of 
an on like I wasn't part of sex worker Twitter, for instance, back then. Like I wasn't back in the day either. I had no idea it was a thing. Yeah. So uh and I, I, it was more that I was fantasizing about being able to charge those rates. Oh, yeah. You know, because once you see that a girl can charge 1000 an hour and I'm taking home 160 I think that's in New York, right? I don't think Toronto maybe will ever get that. Maybe in like a decade. But like New York's insane. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know anybody here that's 1000 bucks an hour. Because really? No, not an hour. Hmm. Maybe it's like a minimum for like two or three hours. Right. Yeah. Have you... Well, and extension of that question have you noticed any difference in the industry since you've left it the escorting industry well i guess sex worker twitter is a big thing there's more like online um visibility of of sex workers so yeah i mean i would say that the sex worker rights movement has also gained a lot of traction i guess i'm still pretty stuck on the fact that i made 160 an hour and i work at a strip club now where um just to be in the booth for an hour in the VIP is 300 an hour. Are we counting inflation though? I mean, that's 2012. Yeah, so like say, okay, I'm sure it wouldn't have, uh, our girls at agencies taking them, what, $200 now? I, I doubt it. I think the average is 300 for the hour. I don't know what the agency fee is in Toronto, but I think it's probably around like 30, 40%. Okay, because when I was working, the rate was 260 an hour for the client and then the agency took 100 and I yeah. took 160. So I can't imagine it's gone too much higher than 260. But is if 300 is the standard, then... Then it's a tiny little difference. Mm-hmm. But at the strip club, you can make so much money doing so much less. <laughs> Which is, like, honestly refreshing. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when I lived in the UK, it was one... 160 pounds an hour the agency took 60 and then they expected you to give 20 pounds to the driver so i took home 80 pounds for the hour ouch yeah i wasn't gonna ever tell people but here we are being honest little hoes there's no shame in it <clears throat> there isn't but there is because people will shame me <laughs> or like think you accepted that what's wrong with no, you fuck but those it's people. like i was having fun at the time fuck you fuck those people like and this is again like it's a classist issue. It's it's the hierarchy in action. It's the like you should always demand more money. Granted, you gotta have the privilege to do that. And if you're just starting yeah. out and you're at an agency, what like what the fuck are you supposed to do? You're just you're just trying to figure it out. No, exactly. Like the fact that I charge more now, it's like I worked for exactly what you worked for. You brackets anyone you, but like I privileged say that I've earned this. Yeah, that just sounds really privileged still because some people work really hard and don't see the same reward. Exactly. Ideally, let's let's all get there. Let's all help sex workers get there. I don't know. Yeah, everyone's got different standards, right? Different standards. They value money differently. They spend their money differently. Um, you know, for me, working at the agency was the right move at the time because I had 0% interest in writing my own ads or like investing in ugh, all the other shit Answering you have to those do. phone calls or those emails. They're yeah. so draining. I don't want to do that. I've never wanted to do that. Fuck that <laughs> shit. So that's what I liked about the agency. I'm like, this cut is valid. They, they book my appointments. They advertise for me. They drive me around. I totally. literally have to show up fuck a dude leave with my totally. money. Especially if they treat you with respect and do all the things that they're supposed to do. I think 
working for an agency can be entirely appropriate. Mm-hmm. My experience, like I told you, was not like that, but I have heard some great things from some agencies in town. Um, but yeah, I'd never, I'm not, I would never go back to it personally. Yeah. I, like, <laughs> well, you did your time though. Like you exactly. got to do the next phase. You do one thing for a while and that's fun, but being stuck in one area forever is boring. I yeah. think to anyone. Yeah. What did the aftermath of the book look like? You did a book tour. So I, I mean the aftermath, <laughs> we ain't the, done the yet. We're in, we're in the, the midst of the aftermath. We're in the, the beginning. We're back to the beginning. Huzzah. Um, well, publishing the book has been incredibly positive and Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, it's been amazing. It's it's uh, my entire 20s has was I mean, I just turned 30, so I'm like, you know, I started escorting when I was 21 and then published the book mid 20s. No, like I think I was 27. Ugh. And uh I've spent my entire 20s talking about being a whore and that makes me really happy now that I'm 30 gonna take things a little more seriously (laughs) I want to see the laws change but that's a different story um the result of publishing the book has been like I've been able to meet so many interesting people in the industry and expand my horizons understand that we all have such different diverse backgrounds um I mean, I'm building a career off this, frankly. Like, we've got a lot of really That's the starting point of your career. You're like Kim Kardashian. She did a sex tape. Now look at her. She's going to law school. Exactly. You can do anything. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so we published the book uh, through Kickstarter. We raised $20,000. Oh, cool. Yeah, so Nicole and I decided to start our own business and publish the book ourselves because we had tried to approach publishers, but no one was really terribly interested and her and I being who we are, we just wanted to do it ourselves and get it done as fast as possible because publishing is very, very slow. So, um, yeah, we did this Kickstarter, raised $20,000, printed a thousand copies, customized the book in every single way, right down to like the color of thread used to bind it. Um, and it has since sold out. Nicole and I made a movie based on the book. Oh, you already made it. I thought that you just bought the rights to it. Or somebody else bought it. Okay, yeah. Nobody's bought any rights. Okay. We own everything okay. when it comes to modern horror. We've okay. never sold the rights to it. Good for you. Um, but we have made a short film. Oh, I'm so excited. And I'm really excited to announce that that film, Modern Horror, yeah. will have its world premiere at South by Southwest this March. Oh my God, that is so exciting. It's mega exciting. And it's, you know, we were talking about the reviews earlier. Yeah. Dramatize one of the reviews. No way. Hell yeah. So it's a hybrid documentary and half of it's me talking to camera, telling my stories, being mm-hmm. interviewed. And the other half is me acting out my own stories. Makes it feel like Sex and the City-esque, but also like, Yeah. I don't know what that's mixed with, but I like that she's a narrator, but she's also in all the scenes. So it reminds me of that a little bit. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm really excited. It's very exciting. Yeah. Um, So, you know, as far as like aftermath of publishing the book, like we're just getting started because we're also in lieu of getting into South by Southwest and all the exciting things that are happening with the film. Um, We're going to launch a Kickstarter in March, March 3rd. Yeah, for what? For the second edition of Modern Horror. Oh, the second edition. The second expanded diamond edition. What does that mean? Like, what, what's it going to be about, if I can ask? 
Well, it's, we'll do, so most of it will just be the modern horror that you okay. know and love. And then we'll add 50 more pages of new content, new stories. Okay, cool. Because I've now worked, I've now worked as a dancer for three years. Right. No, I like that. <laughs> I've been a dancer longer than I've been an escort. So I have more stories. I'll bet you do. <laughs> and more I'll photo shoots. And, oh, I got some stories. I love that centerfold. I was like, why is this page so thick? <laughs> and then I open on the plane. I'm like, oh, it's like a Playboy. I fucking love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll have more centerfolds, too. <laughs> so what is the, like, kind of status of X escort been? Like, not an issue because you can also not say that you're a published author Do yeah it could be different if you weren't yes 100 percent. Okay. being an author is is a sheen of legitimacy that that renders the stigma muted because i have a voice and i can speak and i have opinions and i have written words that have gone out into the world and therefore my opinion has more weight than the escort that you know may not have a university degree or you know isn't safe to tell her own stories with her face out there and her real name out there. Most people don't have that that privilege, and I right. do. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that I did escorting is one thing, but that I made something of the experience, you know. It's unfortunate you <laughs> need that legitimacy for it to be legitimate. Yeah, and then you, I've, ha- I've had people tell me that my my status as an author isn't even legitimate because I self-published. So like, there's like, there's gatekeepers in every single industry, no matter what you do, you're never going to be good enough. But every person that's bought your book has been the approval. So oh, yeah. that's kind of mundane. It's mute. I don't give a fuck about those people. It makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like it? Fuck yeah. Like if you self-published and no one bought your book, I'd be like, yeah, you're a fake author, but like it's sold out. So I don't know what that even means. Yeah. No, I I, I know what I am. I know what's in store. I know uh, my stories have validity and uh, yeah. yeah. I know that too. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not scared. I'm not afraid. So do you have any kind of advice for all the other fellow whores and other industry workers out there? That Because I think it's very common that sex workers have, like you said, a lot of stories and they want to share them. And a lot of us are like, I'm writing a book or I want to write a book. Um, do you have like any advice for them of like how to actually actualize that? Whether or not that seems like maybe too big of an endeavor and you should pick a different form of media or like, yeah. Yeah, pick the medium that that resonates with you the most. And so if you want to write a book, awesome. Write everything down. Invest in a journal, a pen and paper journal, and start writing everything down. Make it separate from your phone. Make it like a thing that you do the morning after every appointment. Just make a practice out of writing these, these experiences down because each one of them is a story. And you will be shocked at how bad your memory is in the future I have a well you won't because you won't remember (laughs) exactly I mean no it's more like when people are like remember this thing happened and it's like very specific and you're like I don't remember that happening that's (laughs) fucked up um my philosophy is if I don't write it down I don't want to remember it yeah I'm making a choice if I don't write my experiences down and so if you want to write a book you gotta write everything fucking down you can't be a writer without writing you have to write and so whatever form that takes like I said earlier when I was escorting I was writing in my journal I was writing poetry I was recording my voice I was 
documenting my experience because I knew it was important. I knew it was distinct and I knew it wasn't going to last forever. And so if you want to tell your story and you might not be ready yet, you know, this might be a memoir you publish in your 50s, you know, long after horror stigmas disappeared in the world. I thought that's going to be next year. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know what world you're living in, but we got lots of work to do. I thought you just say the world you want to live in and then a poof happens. <laughs> yes, I wish it were so simple. I think it's important, though, to not get discouraged of if you have not done that yet to date. Start today and write down all you can remember about the past and it'll keep coming to you, but don't get discouraged just because maybe you've been escorting for a year and you didn't start it immediately the day you started. I think it's totally fine to start now. Yes. Don't get discouraged that you weren't perfect from the get-go. Never. Never get discouraged. You can write anytime. You can write right now. Like you, it doesn't matter when you start. It, it matters that you start. It matters that you start. <laughs> so... Another thing that kind of shone, sh- shone through, like, do I know English? I feel like Jennifer Gardner on, like, that one Jimmy Fallon. No, what is it? Who's that guy? Conan O'Brien. And she's like, sneaked isn't a word. It's snook or snook or something. And, like, he's, like, he pulls out the dictionary. And he's like, see? See? And, like, her face. She's like, I went to Harvard. This is not a word. And he pulls it up in the dictionary. Sorry. <laughs> so one thing that shone through when I was reading your book is that you were um not trying to glorify your story and you very much show the good and the bad so did you kind of feel the need to glorify it as you're writing it because you were scared that maybe it might come off as showing that escorting is inherently a negative occupation like did you have to check yourself or were you like you know what fuck it I'm just gonna write the good and the bad and we'll see what happens um the truth about sex work is that it is both glamorous and grotesque. There's no getting away from that. There's no getting away from the fact that you're dealing with human bodies that secrete fluids and like it's a messy job sometimes. And like respect and disrespect. Exactly. There's so many facets to the human experience that we encounter as sex workers that it cannot be put solely in one category. And so did I censor myself in any way, shape, or form in that book? Hell no. Because sometimes it was super glamorous. It's super glamorous to have a bunch of money in your purse <laughs> and to be walking around the world and feeling like the queen of everything. But it's also terrifying because you might get mugged and murdered. Absolutely. <laughs> and these are the, you know, the glamorous and the grotesque poles that we, we are constantly trying to balance within. Didn't feel the need to try to make it more glorified than it was. I feel like I constantly do that, not because I don't want to show, it's because I'm afraid that someone's going to misconstrue what I said and then just dismiss the entire industry and I'll be responsible type of thing. That's a very valid consideration. Um, I think I hold nuance in the highest degree, and so I, I understand that, that something can be multiple things at one time. And I never You're try. Very to. evolved, though. Like, what about the non-evolved people out there? <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it through my my art. You know, hopefully, people are gonna start being able to hold multiple realities, you know, at once. Because you have to with sex work. You have to understand that it's a job that is lucrative and occasionally, for some and often for others, exploitative. There's no getting away from that. 
Like there's just no getting away from the fact that it's a criminalized industry and what we do is not legal. Yeah, not entirely legal. It's not entirely illegal either. Here. The fact that it's in such a gray zone that sex workers aren't the ones committing the crime but our clients are means that what we do is still illegal yeah (laughs) like we're still we're still committing crimes like we're being accessories to crimes or we are committing crimes ourselves like there's no way to do it legally in this country unfortunately and because of that we are not going to go to the cops if we have problems very likely you know we don't have as many people we can talk to and confide in when when shit goes down and so we're not we're not legitimate members of society. We're always going to be on the outside of things, so long as things remain the way they are. Well, if any politicians give a shit, they can get in touch with us, right? Absolutely. <laughs> or we can become the politicians themselves. I don't know. I really don't want to like run for office. I like my potty mouth and my liberties. <laughs> yeah, I'll be a consultant. That's a good idea. Um, do you think you have more fun as a dancer than as an escort, or was it like equal? Honestly, I and I thought about this when I started dancing. I'm like, do I do is I, this better? Is yeah, this is this better? Am I making more money doing this? And at the end of the day, being a dancer is so much more fun than being an escort. I'm not oh god, lie. stop. I've never tried it. You might sway me. It's I find it really fun and mostly because of my coworkers. Mm. Mostly because I'm part of like this girl gang who are so fucking awesome totally and fierce that I get to like see a few times a week and hang out with and have the best time while we are in our lingerie, you know, occasionally breaking off to go make some money. Sounds like the best sorority. It's the best. That is inclusive of nudity and dirty things. It's so much fun. I love it. And I love showing people my pussy on stage. I love getting naked for money on a stage and dancing to music I love. I find it very funny. See, I would like show people my pussy, but I don't want to see like pictures of it, you know? So if anyone ever took a picture of my pussy and showed it to me, I'd be like, never get naked again. Don't I don't want to see that shit. No cell phones allowed. See? So maybe it is fine. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is like, it's an entirely different form of sex work. Yeah. Yeah. You're hustling moment by moment, stripping, like you're hustling in front of your coworkers you know, face yeah. to face with people. You're not putting up ads. You're not, you know, it's not any of that. It's like, it's not relaxed. It's, yeah. I'm the moment you, you battle work. You are working, you are working, you are working. And uh, you're also performing. And it's so, what, one of the like most interesting revelations I've had as a dancer is that, you know, obviously we all know about the girls who get up on stage and look like they hate what they're doing and they're, you know, dead eyed and they're just oh sort God. of like Tiffany Haddish does this one bit where she pretends to be a board stripper and it like kills me. She's like chewing gum the whole time and like looking up and she's just like going through it was the funniest little comedy bit. But yeah, I gotcha. There's so many reasons why that dancer is the way she is. One of those <laughs> one of those reasons one of those reasons is because she has stage fright. Mm, mm, we yeah, don't consider totally, that. We don't totally. even like consider the humanity of strippers and consider the fact that like maybe getting naked on a stage is like the last thing they want to be doing. Maybe they like getting naked, but the on the stage bit. Yeah, stage fright. It makes so much sense. And then also the ones that look super bored are usually the ones who know that they could be making more money off the stage. <laughs> they're in fact like for the like the three songs that they have to perform, they're they're losing hundreds of dollars or like by the minute. Maybe it's tax season or like, you know, like she's got like a huge assignment due on the weekend. She's just a little preoccupied. It's true. The thing about stripping though, the lights aren't the same, are they? As if you were like a rock star. Like I assume that because you're in like a like a dankly lit little club that maybe it's not blinding, but is it also blinding in your face? No. The eye? Okay. No. 
Okay. I've no, you can always s- been really curious. I've never been on the stage, but I'm like, are they being blinded right now? Can they see the people? I look at everybody. Okay. I make eye contact with every single man in the room. <laughs> and then the one who's looking at me like I'm the second coming of Christ is the one I go to when I get off stage. Very smart. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe one day I'll try it. I'm very much a dancer in my house. I don't know how it would go out in public. I guess I should just like practice by just like going on the sidewalk and dancing and see if I can handle that. If I can't handle that, I can't handle a stage. Yeah. It's honestly with my clothes on naturally. <laughs> stripping is great. I I love it and I love where I work and I love my coworkers and uh, the clientele and um I I really do prefer it. <laughs> but that's also cuz I'm pre- I'm a performer. And I like being on stage. So. And there is nothing wrong with that. No. I mean, we're going to get old and wrinkly one day, which is also hot. But just, uh, you know, embrace that youngness, flaunt it, show everybody while you can. And then dry hump them for all they're worth. That's right. Did you like that movie Hustlers, by the way? I have never watched it. But I've been a little offended, so I haven't watched it. But I might like it. I don't know. I would have liked if the cast was all actual sex workers. Oh, that's... We're a ways from that. But we know that they stole a sex worker story. Well, they paid her, like, minuscule crumbs to yeah. take her story. Um, I liked it. I haven't watched it, so I'm not sure. I liked it. I saw things on film I'd never seen before that rang true for my experience as a sex worker oh cool yeah like there were just things about their interactions with each other with their families with their clientele that really felt like they got it they got it it's not a perfect film and certainly the context around its production and everything that's gone down as far as stealing stories and like visiting strip clubs and not paying girls like that kind of thing it's all very unfortunate but I would say as a as a film as a standalone film I think it did a really great job of humanizing sex workers I will say though as a dancer I have heard my coworkers complain about the film because they feel that they've been um unduly stigmatized as thieves as a result of the film yeah I get that I want to. I just, work with thieves. Okay. But no shit. But like, wait. Who, should maybe don't don't say that. Who wouldn't take advantage of a scenario where you could get paid more at work? Like, I'm sorry, but what industry is exempt from this? Like, what are we even talking about right now? It's true. I I, I think it's a delicate balance. You don't want to. Um, like, what as much server is going to be like, no, sir, give me five percent, not thirty percent. Okay, I want to be really humble. Like, no. There's a balance though, because as much as we don't want to be exploited, we can't be exploiting our clientele either. And I'm talking about like getting guys so belligerently drunk that they have no idea how much money they're spending anymore. Yeah. Like, that's I know girls. That's their game, and they make a lot of money doing it. And I'm a very middle class stripper. I don't make a ton of money, but I don't do anything that I can't like sleep with it exactly yeah. like I, I can defend every one of my choices um but there's all kinds in every industry just branding every stripper as like a horrible thief is ridiculous oh it's ridiculous it, it's totally ridiculous but um yeah it's it's a very complicated issue oh my god like like everything else in life right? i know it's not, it's not black and white say what yeah <laughs> color me shocked so what would you say that you dislike and like most about the sex work industry as a whole I like the freedom that sex work lends to the people who have chosen it. We're not all free. We're not all independent. We're not all happy that we do this work. 
a lot of us are forced by circumstance and desperate situations to engage in sex work. And that's also very valid. And we need to hear those stories, too. We don't need to drown those stories out just because that's the only story we've heard. It's still a valid story. But sex work is almost always a reliable way to make money. And I think that's a very valuable resource for women especially, but also people who are on the margins, like trans women and people of color and like all the different ways that people are rejected by society. Sex work opens you with open arms and is like, they may reject you, but you will find people here who would be happy to pay you for your time. And support you in the community. For sure. Um, and, and the sex work community is very strong. I really like that about It's so diverse, like mm-hmm. we said. So you could really find your niche. You can find it, especially with Twitter nowadays. Yeah. And you can find your people. And I think that's really important. So that you feel less alone. Because you don't. nobody has to feel alone doing sex work. But so many of us have done it. So yeah, I mean, as like personally speaking, I always liked that I... Well, I can pick my own schedule and I can yeah. be as motivated as I want to make as much money as I want, depending on like what my energy levels are. Typical working for yourself, pros and cons. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's all great. Meeting interesting people is a great pro to sex work. Not knocking anyone, but the people that can make the most money are usually the most intelligent. Not a blanket statement, but still there's people that have, you know, hustled and done a lot of things in life and they usually have the best conversation because they've been through like a million experiences that required them to have read at least a hundred books. Right. Yeah. Um, so getting to meet a variety of intelligent people, you wouldn't necessarily meet anywhere else. That's yeah. How am, I, how am I going to meet these people? Otherwise it's not going to happen. <laughs> and you know what? Like speaking of intelligent people, like that's, that's another difference, you know, as far as being part of a, social workplace like a strip club surrounded by sex workers and everyone having different hustles I have been chastised by my coworkers for talking to clients like oh I know I see you talking to them ew they don't talk they get right to the point they offer their services they make their money and they're done they're on to the next one I'm not like your comfort level like why wouldn't you want to talk to them but here's the thing talking makes them uncomfortable the clients or the other women the dancers oh There are lots of sex workers who find conversation intimidating because they don't feel intelligent enough. I find small talk intimidating, but like, let's talk about that random thing we heard yesterday on the news. That's fun. Right. I mean, so anyway, one of the things I like about sex work is, again, the variety of people and the variety of reasons and the variety of hustles that exist within one industry and all the different ways that it can be done. Um, what I don't like about the industry, obviously I don't like the stigma against it. I guess most importantly, the thing I hate is criminalization and the fact that, um, a service exchanged between two consenting adults is a crime. It doesn't make any sense. I don't like the, the nefarious, manipulative bad guys that, that lurk in, in corners looking to exploit vulnerable women they lurk in corners but they're very active online with their email sending and their dms (laughs) yeah they're bad but then then they're not always lurking you know in dark corners of course there are people who exist in plain sight who charm the pants off of us literally and crawl into our lives and then before you know it you realize that you've been you've been taken by a con man or taken by a con person 
I really recently read your book and I loved also the one story where after a booking you were both laying in bed together and he's like no man could ever want to date you type of thing yeah and you're like um i'm actually in a relationship so and they're like <laughs> i guess good for him that he's that secure but i didn't really think that could ever happen and it's like you're in a funny moral high ground right now that you think no one would ever want to be with an escort while you are in my bed says like, the guy paying for the girlfriend experience like he's like why are you doing this life it's like why the fuck are you here like what are you talking about god i hate people sometimes <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? But then that's fun. It's fun. It, like, well, see, I find it fun in a strip club setting because yeah. I can sort of razz guys that come in with these assumptions. Um, well, they don't have the same authority to be like, well, I just fucked you, which was the most intimate thing ever. So I'm allowed to talk to you. Like, yeah. this means something. No, I don't miss that. <laughs> I don't miss that. I, yeah, with escorting, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a lot more vulnerability. For sure. And I feel like, I feel more comfortable, like, schooling these guys surrounded by security guards and other oh God, dancers i want to watch you school people i pay for that show. <laughs> oh i school <laughs> <laughs> yep okay well what's one of your current favorite books or one you always recommend to people oh my god okay i mean like i have books that are sort of sex work specific that i think are worth recommending um the Sacred Prostitute by Nancy Qualls Corbett is a really good one um, because for me, that's the book that showed me that my desire for independence, sexual expression and creativity, all of which are totally intermingled for me was valid, a valid yeah. thing for me to feel as a woman. And this is like a sort of psychoanalysis from a Jungian perspective uh, book on the sacred feminine, the sacred creative feminine. I've definitely heard of the sacred prostitute like term, like in mythology. So I haven't read this book specifically, but I get what it's probably about. Yeah. To me, I found it incredibly validating and it encouraged me. I felt encouraged after reading it to um, continue on my path. You know, I'm not on a conventional path right now, but it made me feel like I was a real person and the things that I felt about the work were valid. Um, of course, Revolting Prostitutes. Have you heard of that one? Um, my own it. Haven't read it. I'm a horrible whore. You're not a horrible whore it's if you haven't workshop. read it. It's, it's dense. It's, it's a very dense book. Yeah, I've, I feel like I've seen a lot of celebrities take selfies with it. That's good. Yeah, that's it is nice. good. I wonder if they read it, though, is yeah. what I'm really wondering. I got like two-thirds through okay so i still have like a third to read have you read uh the playing the whore i haven't read that one See? okay well i'll gift you that one then I, <sighs> I yeah i keep gifting books to people i don't mind rebuying them but like people need to read these things i can re-gift it to you okay <laughs> re-gift it to somebody else that needs it okay <laughs> i've already read it <laughs> whatever you thank want, you melissa yeah. <laughs> yeah melissa shout out um i have some other recommendations but they are not sex worker narratives. Okay. Um, I'll say first, Paying For It by Chester Brown is a graphic novel Ooh. from a client's perspective. Cool. It's super cool. Well, you know what? I think I've seen like little bits of it. The, yeah, I've seen like, I yes, I've definitely like heard of this. I read that before becoming an escort and it is the book that inspired me to write a memoir. No way. 
I would say that paying for it is it, like modern horror is my response to paying for it. I hope that Chester hears us. Well, Chester, Chester has a cameo in my film. Oh my God, stop! And 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 he's drawing the poster for the film. Oh my, you're living your dream right now. I'm I so happy have for been you. Drawn by Chester Brown, I can die. <laughs> I can die. It's I'm very very happy. Then there's like I have a very controversial pick. Mm. It's called Pimp. No, I've heard of this one. Iceberg Slim. I've heard of this one. I haven't bought it yet, but like I've been meaning to read it. It's tough but it's the life of a pimp it's insightful like the dirtiest shit a pimp does yeah the dirtiest uh i've i so i recently had a concussion okay i'm so sorry about that oh it's okay um i fell on my head it changed my life a little bit um but i for some reason i was lucky i was able to read like voraciously as like after the concussion that is astounding it is crazy i read pimp within five days of my concussion so i'm pretty sure pimp now like lives in some Holy, like deep that is one reality you got going on <laughs> it's a deep part of my like yeah uh, my brain uh pimp lives and it honestly is so it's so violent. It's so shockingly abusive towards women, towards black women specifically. It's racist. Right, because he's a black pimp, right? He's a black pimp. Yeah. Um, and he, he, I was looking through it again today and, you know, he, oh man, it's, it's like slavery never ended, but now the black man is the slave oh, owner. Oh, fuck. It's fucking crazy. And the way that he treats black women and the disrespect that they get from him and from everyone, frankly. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it's so disgusting, but... Um, it's real, right? It's real, and I learned a lot from reading that book. It's also really well-written. <laughs> Which I'm, like, ashamed to say, but, like... No, I feel like it's important to have it be well-written, to be respected when it's this crazy. Yeah. If that makes sense. He was a very violent, abusive, terrible human... But what he has provided for the historical record is invaluable. And it was written in 1969. Yeah. 69. That's, yeah, that's, that's some marketing right there. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's a book I would recommend if you are not of the faint of heart or feel like this book might not re-traumatize you in any kind of way. It might. It's so misogynist to its core. But if you are up for it, it's... Read it and build on it with your own story, you know? Understand yeah. how far we've come. If you're if you're comfortable. And how far we haven't come. Let's be fucking real. That okay. Too. Well, I haven't read it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, full disclosure, I've met pimps. Pimps have I come to the club. I probably have. I don't know. I. You know when you meet a pimp because they're charming and stupid. Okay. They're persuasive without any substance. They are all flash nothing underneath it i think i might have had a bumble date that was a pimp then <laughs> yeah you might have <laughs> you might have um they are i have i have nearly been charmed by one without even realizing it like getting oh my god i think like, this is how cults work pimping is a cult okay this makes sense it's a cult gotcha and it's not we're like not Keith out of Ranieri the style yeah like it's not obsolete by any means okay and it's important to to be educated on, uh, especially from from a guy's 
own perspective, who's so open about all the violence that he's he's uh, dished out to women over the years. Dished out and witnessed. Oof. So who do you have a big sex worker crush on at the moment? You may say multiples. Yeah, I, I would like to say multiples. I have so many crushes. I'm polyamorous by nature, so. Um, um, I think everyone is, and we're all just like in perpetual self-denial. That's true. Um, uh, I want to give a shout out to Lady Pym. She's a crush of mine. She's had a podcast for a long time. Yes, the Bedpost podcast has been around a long ass time. I've been a guest on it a couple times. A couple? Oh, yeah. God damn, she's interesting. And you. (laughs) Oh, Lady Pim is extremely interesting. She's now a dominatrix. (laughs) I've known her for long enough that I knew her before she entered sex work. No way. Yeah, so I feel like as soon as she became a dominatrix, everything just made sense. Like, she just totally shines in that work and uh she also puts on a monthly variety show a sex and sexuality variety show what does that mean a variety show it means it's uh there's comedy there's um like live performances like there's um burlesque performances always i've done so many readings of modern horror the first reading of a story from modern horror I did on that stage before I came out. Cool. <laughs> so I had to pretend it was maybe slightly fictional. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, I love, well, okay. I have a few people that I love that I have big crushes on. Have you ever seen Emily Kane in the flesh? I have not, but also I, I am like not even met her intimidated by her. She seems like amazing, like the most gorgeous and intelligent person. Like reading her writing, I'm like, I am like a worm in the ground <laughs> compared to her. Like, where the fuck did she get that brain? Like <laughs> she has such I can't a brain. Even. I she, <laughs> she has, has brains, she such has such a brain. <laughs> I watched her give a lecture once. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll leave it there, but I will tell you that it was the sexiest lecture I've ever seen in my life. I could get, yeah, I get that. I feel like I already have these vibes of never even met her and like totally huge crush. She's so beautiful. <laughs> and I've seen her without makeup, still shockingly beautiful. Yeah, I don't think the makeup matters when you're that intelligent and hot anyways. Yeah, she's she's magic. Um, <laughs> another person I have a crush on that I just love and I have to tell this story, Nadia Zanotti. Do you know Nadia Zanotti? I don't think so. I might follow her on Twitter, but Nadia. A lot of people, for the record. I'm so sorry. she's she's been an escort for a little bit, and she found my book. I can't remember exactly how, but we I did an event, and she came, and she's like, Andrea, do you remember me? <laughs> I, I didn't. Oh, well, then she was asking the right question. Well, she said we went to daycare together. We went to elementary school That's and daycare amazing. together. And now she's in the industry and she's like the fucking coolest chick. I do not follow her, but I will. You have to follow Nadia. She's the best. Um, I want to also say I have a crush on uh, Jelena Vermillion uh, over in Hamilton. She's an escort as well. She's super cool. I've only met her once. She's she's a little intimidating because she's very cool. Um we were both fangirling about the fact that we were in the same room as Terry Jean Bedford. I don't know if you know who that is. I do not. Terry Jean Bedford was the Bedford of, of like Bedford versus oh, Canada. Oh, no way. Cool. So I'd be fangirling too. We were freaking out. Um, but she's doing really cool, important work at um, Swap Hamilton, oh, the good for her. organization there. So fully support that work. That's fucking awesome. And then other crushes I have, I mean, 
I have crushes on people who are no longer sex workers. Oh, that's okay. They once were. They Yeah, they're my sex worker hero. So like Amber Dawn, who's in uh, BC, she's a writer, but she was a sex worker. She had written... I've definitely heard of her. So she recently uh, put out a sex worker poetry anthology. Oh. Yeah, in collaboration with... Anyway, so she... Um, collaborated for this um anthology of sex work poetry called hustling verse um i guess it would have been in 2010 2011 while i was escorting while i was writing my stories in this like all women's literary magazine i read one of amber rose's sex work stories and i was like holy shit this can be done cool somebody is doing this oh my god (laughs) And I've had the pleasure of being able to meet Amber Rose a couple times. Did now. you? Or Amber Dawn. Fuck Amber Rose. Oh I've never God. met Amber Rose. Okay. okay, okay. okay. <laughs> She's really cool. I would also say I have a crush on Chanel Gallant. Oh, I don't think I know who that is. I will also follow her. She's local. She's not currently a sex worker as far as I know. She's another big brain. But she was working for Maggie's when I first started escorting um as like a board member or just like a volunteer i don't know exactly what her position was okay. but i when i was escorting i went to a drop-in at maggie's hoping to sort of get involved on a more you know see what the community get was like involved. trying to get involved with the community and i went and um she was there along with another person working for maggie's and there were a few sex workers there they were street-based sex workers and I had never met street-based sex workers and it was surprising to me but also humbling to me because I went in there with like my shopping bags and then I like (laughs) was like okay cool I'm gonna meet some sex workers gonna meet some escorts and then people are talking about doing crack and heroin and like that kind of thing I was like wow I whoa this is a lot and it's taken a lot of like re-education and reconditioning myself to to see how fundamentally similar we all are across the spectrum. You know, I think I've just like realized why I've never been to Maggie's is because I don't need like assistance in that way. Exactly. And only people that do would go. And so I really should go because I could be a part of actually helping people that need it. And I just realized why. It's I'm embarrassing. really glad that you realized that because yeah. that's something we hear a lot from escorts. And I'm, I'm a peer outreach worker there. Like I'm on the payroll. I work for Maggie's and part of my role as an outreach worker is to get the word out that Maggie's exists. And we don't just exist for the people that need help the most. We exist for everybody on all. But you hear that as like an always thing you hear from like NGOs and charities. It's like, it's for everyone. But I just realized that I'm part of a community where people do need help and I could help. And just because I haven't needed it yet doesn't mean that I shouldn't go there. And everyone, I just actually like had an epiphany. So have one with me, please. <laughs> yes. Come to Maggie's uh, one and all and don't let the hierarchy stop you. Come to an event. Let's do, yeah. Because there's events all the time. Yeah, there are events all the time. I don't know what the next event is. That's okay. I'll post it in the show notes, whatever the next one is. Yes, that's a great idea. Any more crushes? <laughs> I, okay. I had a crush on this person and I found it recently that they passed away. Wait, what? Yeah, like suddenly of a heart attack. Oh my God, that's really sad. It's really sad. His name um, is Master Wolfgang. Um, He 
it was a long time dominatrix uh, working out of the ritual chamber. Hmm. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting him once at Maggie's during a real work group meeting that we have once a month. Um, and I connected with him pretty quickly, thankfully, because he like <laughs> has like a lot of knowledge of old music and like 60s and 70s stuff that's pretty hot not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like this leather daddy who punishes men for a living and <laughs> he's like the best um yeah and we like yeah sang some songs together just sort of casually and I just thought like this guy's so cool I totally just want to continue being friends with this person and yeah I've, he recently suddenly had a heart attack and died so rest in peace master wolfgang you are rest in peace sir i've never met but that sounds amazing i'm sure he's singing wherever he is there's something so hot about like an intricate knowledge base of good music from back in the day like it's actually like 11 out of 10 sexy yeah poor guy yeah can't wait to see how i'm gonna die one day i feel like it's gonna be like a weird freak accident i can feel it mm-hmm. hit by a car if i'm not looking one of those oh gee that's not even weird it's just irresponsible <laughs> I hope I'm on lots of acid. I stopped being PC on this podcast because I realized it's boring as fuck to like keep censoring yourself. So I apologize to anyone that was hoping for me to not. <laughs> um, is that it for crushes? I think so. Okay. Well, is there anything else you kind of always wanted to say to all the other sex workers, escorts, clients, listeners out there in regards to any of this? parting advice something you want to remind people of something you hope to see this industry do in the future okay maybe this answer doesn't sound super sexy but i think the most important thing we all have to keep in mind is that this is an industry that needs to be decriminalized and we need to see the laws change if we ever want to see stigma change because at the end of the day the laws are what stigmatize us and criminalize us and we need that legitimacy um the kind of legitimacy that New Zealand sex workers have because they live in a country where sex work is decriminalized. And if a sex worker is um, attacked on the job, she doesn't have to worry whatsoever about calling the cops. We don't have that here. So I think that, well, there's a few things. Save your money. Of course. Always save your money. Yeah. Save your money. You never know when. Invest it. Because if you have enough to invest, invest it. Not even that. Invest in literally anything. But having to earn money every day and not having it ever be able to grow, like it's just never going to pay off if you have that privilege. Yeah. I think sex work is a cash job and any kind of cash job is going to be hard to to hold on to your money because you have it in your hands. Definitely. You think you can just spend it. You can't. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know. You know, like for me, I... Uh, got drunk, got on my bike, fell off, hit my head, got a concussion and couldn't work for six weeks. And did I have a contingency plan for not being able to work for six weeks? No, why would you? I did not. You did not picture that ever happening. Exactly. You never know what is going to happen and what can debilitate you because we don't have, you know, uh, benefits. You know, we don't have any safety net for yeah, us. unemployment insurance, we don't disability. Have that. Yeah, so always, 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 always save your money. And also fight for decriminalization. Do you have a suggestion on maybe how someone that is interested in that could help fight decriminalization? Like what is an actual step people could take? I think getting involved with your local sex worker organization is a great way um, to band together 
build community, um, see what's going on. I mean, like, organize. And if it's not your local sex worker community, hell, just with your friends, you know, start it, do it yourself, talk amongst each other, you know, figure out what the law actually is, figure out how we can change it. Let's all work together to do it. Um, all right, I'll start a petition. No, you don't have to. I mean, it's like, if you don't want to be the, you obviously aren't being called to be the leader of a movement. And that's no, but still, if you have the influence, like maybe if instead of asking people where they can find a resource, I create something where everyone can just sign up if they want, that might make a difference. Yeah. Um, educating yourself so that when people ask that you know exactly what you're talking about, you know, in regards to the law. Yes. Because our laws are very murky. They're very murky. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we, we might not be seeing stings ourselves. And, you know, if we're working independently or, you know, a lot of us are sheltered from the more real aspects to this work. There's a huge section of the population that is completely vulnerable to police exploitation. Oh, my God. What, what was just published by Maggie McNeil? Do you like her, too, by the way? Yeah, I like her, too. She retweeted or published something that just showed how many the stats of police officers that are allowed to have sex with people in their custody yeah. and it's like obviously 99% of the time sex workers and it's just rape right yeah for sure it's it's totally fucked up and so I think if we really want to tackle stigma and okay here's another thing you can do if you don't want to necessarily get behind like a big legal movement to change the the criminal laws of sex work that's fine Another way to challenge stigma is by making art and storytelling and Mm. doing stuff like this Mm. and giving people voices and having a space where people can safely tell their stories is is a great way to dispel stigma, which will eventually lead to the decriminalization of sex work because people will start to see how stupid it is. So do whatever you want. Do whatever you want with your experience um, and do it under a pseudonym. Do it under your real name. Do it however you want, but tell your story regardless. Tell your story. Write it down first so you don't forget it, though. Yeah. Well, Historical record. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here today and taking all this time out of your busy, busy, amazing life. And you have a concussion, so I mean, I'm super impressed. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much. I mean, great. Have a great day now. Yeah, you too. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. I've attached Andrea's website and Twitter handle in the show notes in case you'd like to get in touch with her or follow her progress with her movie that's going to be premiering at South by Southwest or get your hands on the second edition of Modern Horror or maybe go see her perform in person. As always, happy Monday, everyone, and stay curious.